It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP in the ESPN-UP mobile app. Tanner Hoops with you in studio Friday afternoon. We wind down the work week. We get ready for the much-anticipated weekend. Ryan Stieg from the Mining Journal, our guest today. That's how you know it's Friday. Ryan, we're right there, right on the verge of uh, Thanksgiving coming up. Yep, yep. And then we're back to basketball. Yeah. And then it gets probably even busier. Yeah, it's... Uh... There's not really much of a transition. You got football, you get maybe a week, two at most, and then you're back into basketball season. You already got hockey going on. You know, high school hockey will probably be starting shortly too. So it's like, I mean, you got a Thanksgiving break is like your short (laughs) period of time where you're not constantly thinking about high school stuff. So um, it's nice, but, you know, I'm looking forward to get back into it, too. I mean, we got high school basketball previews I'm working on, too. So No rest for the weary, and of course you can catch our high school basketball preview show presented by the UP Catholic Credit Union, airing throughout the station leading up to basketball season. Well, uh, you mentioned hockey. Let's start right there, and the Northern Michigan Wildcats stay right here in town. They get to host the Alaska Anchorage hockey squad coming into town. Yeah, great opportunity to get two wins this weekend. Northern has had their way with Anchorage for quite some time, and uh, this is prime opportunity. I mean, you just have (laughs) you got the disappointing games against Bemidji, which should have been a sweep. Then you come into last week and just a complete. I want to say flop, but it was just like they just at times, especially Friday. Friday's game was bad, and then Saturday it's like they got it together late in the second, and in the third period they had such a bad start. It was like they had to play catch up, and you don't want to have to do that, especially for a good team against Cornell. I mean, like Cornell's—they're not like as spectacular as St. Cloud State is, or Duluth is, or like North Dakota, or all these teams. But they're good. They're going to be in the tournament. Um, I don't know if they'll be a one seed like they were last year, but they're going to make some noise. And uh, Northern did not really show up, especially Friday night. The good thing is they're playing an Anchorage team that is 58th out of 60 in the country when it comes to offense. And <laughs> it'll be, I don't want to say it'll be an easy weekend because you don't want to just go in, you know, thinking you got it in the bag, but. I don't think Ate is going to be tested a whole lot this weekend. Um, he'll play. I mean, I honestly wonder if, uh, if you know, if they play really well Friday, if, you know, Patoni throws in Nolan Kent Saturday night just because Anchorage is so bad. <laughs> you know, a lot of times you see, you know, head coaches will be like, hey, you know, we really did well Friday. This is a team that, you know, a freshman can get their, his feet wet against. You know, we'll see how it goes. Because, you know, you can't have Tobin and play every game this season. He's going to be worn out if you get into the playoffs. And that's happened before. I mean, Ferris said that happened with C.J. Mott uh, a couple years ago where, like, he started, like, all but, like, two games. And by the time the playoffs start, he was just worn out. And, I mean, you know, as durable as they can be, I mean, just think about that. If you were expected to play every weekend, <laughs> you know, for 60 minutes and just, you know, and then you got practice all week, you're going to be sore and it, uh, it'll it catch up with you eventually. So I maybe it'll happen. Maybe Kent will play Saturday. You never know. I, I, I think he wants to get two wins guaranteed, so I don't think he will. But he surprised me in the past. Sometimes, I mean, he threw Israelson in a game against 
Mankato <laughs> last year, which I really wasn't expecting, and Israelson played really well, who is now at Mankato. Mm-hmm. So it's you never know what he's going to do. Uh, Tobin will play tonight just because they need to get a win. But uh, who knows what will happen Saturday. Well, Northern, there was a lot to like about the Saturday, especially yeah. the second and third period of the Saturday game against Cornell. I thought their penalty kill was much better after the first period, and every goal in that second game of the series Saturday night was scored on the power play. There was nothing mm-hmm. five on five. Can't take penalties against a team like Cornell. But I tell you who really impressed me was uh, Griffin Locker, and I thought he had a really good series, and people don't talk about him enough. No, he's he's a newcomer who... It's hard to really pinpoint who he is because I wrote a profile on him over the summer, and he's he's a guy who's like five six, but no one told him he's five six. No. He plays like he's six two or six three. He'll take on guys who are a foot taller than him almost, and throw a couple punches and get out of their skin. He's fun to watch, and I'm hoping that you know he'll have kind of a breakout game. You know, maybe he's doing the right things, you know, but maybe he'll have that game where he can shook his step. Troy Loggins had his game Saturday night where he had finally had his breakout game. You're wondering, because he's so good, he's going to eventually break out of his slump, but it was extending a little longer than you expected, and then he just kind of broke loose and he had that really awesome, you know, backhand five-hole goal. It's fun. I, I've watched the replay on that several times. It just He gets a rush, fakes left, fakes right, and just slightly nudges it <laughs> across the line. It was it was impressive. But I, Griffin's fun. I'm hoping to finally see him in person <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. In case you've been wondering, I've been sitting on the sidelines. Um, we're having some situations at work, so I've had to take over the sports department for a little bit. So, But I'm hoping... In the next home series, I will be in attendance, and I can see exactly. I mean, I watch the games on TV. You know, I have a Flow Sports subscription, but I'm looking forward to actually being physically in the arena and watching what's occurring in front of me. There's a lot to like about him, and he can Mm -hmm. be a defensive-minded forward. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that can score. He's out there on the power play. A lot to like about him. I remember him from uh, my time with Sioux City, watching him when he played for Fargo. And there's a lot to like about him, so I'm glad to see him make his way up here to Northern. But let me ask you this. Northern's off to a 3-7 and seven start, and they've played eight straight games against teams that were in the top 20 when they played them, or they are right now. And again, you know, that's a tough slate, but Northern feels that they can and should be at that level right now. So how worried should they be if they don't pick up a sweep over Anchorage this weekend? Th- that'll be a little bit of more of a worry. I think it's, you know, some people have already even started giving up on the season, but I'm trying to tell them Northern start off really with a tough part of their year. They're playing teams that will most likely make the NCAA tournament. And I know Grant wanted it that way because to be a good program, you have to be able to be good teams. And, you know, Northern showed that they're a program on the rise, but they're, you know, as they've shown so far, they're not quite there yet. So I think... They'll get a sweep this weekend, but if they were not, it would be like, okay, what's really going on here? Because <laughs> this is like, if there was a guaranteed weekend where, you know, you're going to have a strong performance, this is it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't play particularly well, it's going to be like, okay. And then I don't really make a definitive conclusion how a team is until after the holidays because, Sometimes they're still working out, and you know, and Northern had a 
mediocre first half and had a very strong second half. So, but uh, a stumble this weekend against Anchorage would be a little concerning, and especially for an Anchorage team, like I just said, 58th offensively, 54th on the power play. Out of so, 60. Out of 60. So you got a very offensively challenged <laughs> team this weekend, and a team that has to play a lot of defense. Now they're okay on defense, but the reason they're okay is because they're forced to be okay on defense. <laughs> it's like there's so much pressure on them every week, and it's like you have to have a pretty decent penalty kill, otherwise you're not going to have any chance of succeeding. But, um, I, you know, this on paper this should be an easy weekend for them, but... I don't know. It's you can't go into that kind of mindset, you know, that you're just going to roll over somebody because Anchorage is very hard to beat at home. But on road, they're trying to have they're they're trying to prove themselves because people disregard them. And if they were to get a win this weekend, that would be a, a big statement that maybe things are turning around. Their new head coach took over a program that's a mess, and Anchorage has been a mess for a long time. And he's not in a great situation for recruiting. You're way out there, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to get kids to, hey, you know, would you, you're in Massachusetts. Would you like to fly <laughs> one, two, three, four, five times, or four or five time zones away to play hockey? I mean, it's like it's hard to get kids to get out there and there's kids who play hockey in Alaska, and there's some good kids out there who play hockey in Alaska, but it's not a prime stomping mm-hmm. ground. It's not Minnesota. It's not Massachusetts. It's not New England. It's not Michigan. It's not, you know, you know Alberta, Saskatchewan. It's not the prime territory. So it's like you're relying on kids from around the area and maybe the B.C., Alberta, to try to fill in the spaces. And uh, I'm hoping they get it together, you know, just because – you know, they were on the verge of losing the program a couple of years ago. So I think the new guy, he's doing a pretty decent job so far. I know he's – it's like – I kind of like liken it to Kyle Nystrom in a way because you're inheriting not a great situation. You're trying to gradually get dig yourself out of the situation, and it's going to be a while. So um, – but I think they're even a rougher situation than Northern football is. But still, I mean, it's going to take time. And uh, But a win this weekend would really help them. I want to go back to something you said when you were talking about how Anchorage is forced to be good defensively because they can't generate offense. I don't mean to take a 360 and change the subject, but it's a perfect transition to liken it to the Cy Young winners that were announced mm-hmm. this week with Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays and Jacob deGrom from the New York Mets. deGrom was 10-9. and nine, but his ERA was so good, that was just over one, that it was enough to get the win. And obviously, neither of those teams are known for their offense. So mm. that's what I wanted to ask. There's controversy, and anyone who's listened to Michael Wilbon this week certainly knows that. Was this deserved? Is it, For one thing, was it deserved by DeGrom and by Blake Snell? And for another, is baseball making it an award based on ERA rather than wins? Um. I, I feel like you should be moving in that direction because wins are, can go either way. You know, you can get wins, you know, simply because your team played well, you know, and scored a lot of runs for you, whereas earned run average is entirely on you. You know, your ERA, your, your opposing batting average against you, that kind of thing is more a better way to judge pitchers than wins. And 
you know, that time before, did, didn't like Felix Hernandez a couple of years ago end up winning the Cy Young and he went, went like something like 14 and 12 or something like that, you know? It was, I mean, it's okay mm-hmm. here, but his stats were so eye-popping. So I like in that regard because wins are important, but in the long run, I judge a player, a pitcher on your individual performance, not by does your team give you enough support to actually mm-hmm. win? I, I agree with you completely. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of sense to the fact that you would trade wins for better stats any day, but a guy who goes out and gives his team a chance to win night in and night out, much more impressive than winning ball games eight to seven and six to five <laughs> night in and night out. We got to take a break. Ryan Steak for the Mining Journal is with us. We'll come back. We'll break down the NHL. The Red Wings winning streak snapped last night. All that and more coming up next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal. Well, the Red Wings looked like they were promising, getting everybody's hopes up, mm-hmm. got back to 500, four-game winning streak, and then they lay an egg last night. They fall out to a 2-1. to one. They miss on two penalty shots against Craig Anderson. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, the thing is with Craig Anderson is – I think he's a very underrated goaltender. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I mean, he's been in the league for a long time, but he's the forgotten, <laughs> you know, cuz I mean, he's there, he's consistent, and he can step up when he needs to and on two penalty shots, which they should have scored. <laughs> you know, at least one of them. But uh, you know, he stepped up and he made the pl- you know, he made the save. He's a he's a reliable goalie. I mean, He's not a lockdown goaltender like you're going to see around the league, but he's, you know, if you need a guy who's going to come out and get you a win, <laughs> he'll, you know, give you a he, he'll, he'll give you a chance to get a win. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not going to give you an eye popping like 1.5 GAA mm-hmm. or a 98% save percentage or something. But he, I mean, he's he's there and he's a guy you can rely on. And you know, if if you like good goaltending, Anderson gave you that night. And uh, Jimmy Howard wasn't bad himself. No, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Red Wings fans hate on Jimmy Howard. Some of it's deserved, some of it's not. But he looked good last night. Only two goals. Um, looked good on the penalty. You know, on the penalty kill, made some you know nice saves there. It just just wasn't there for them. Uh, you know, Anderson had a good night, and just the offense didn't execute when it needed to. Um, and they just, although some people are saying they looked better during that game than at some of their wins during mm-hmm. the year, which you could make the case for that. I, I, you know, I was on a plane <laughs> while this was going on, you know, but I was trying to keep tabs on my phone when I was on the plane. Um, and, you know, it just, it seemed like they were doing okay. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, didn't result in a win. And that, that can be frustrating if you do you know, as good as you can play really, really well. And you don't get the win simply because you're not putting the puck in the net. So, but I'm again, they're eight, nine and two. I mean, let's, let's be reasonable. This isn't a team that's going to make the playoffs, but it's nice that they're playing adequate, mm-hmm. you know, and that they're not making you, if you decide to watch a game where you're banging your head on your table or something like that, you're, you're watching competent hockey, maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily great hockey, but enough where you're like, 
give it a year or two, this could be a decent team to watch. You gotta you know? like what you're getting out of yeah. Michael Rasmussen. Yeah, he's off to a good start. I mean, there's there's a lot of young talent there, and mm-hmm. there's just you had a lot of aging veterans that are just you got to get rid of their contracts and start focusing on youth but i i think there's a bright future there i do well you got the red wings whose offense still isn't putting up great numbers their defense is in a similar situation as anchorage where they have to be good uh because you know they just there's not they're, a whole lot of scoring going yeah right so. but they're not as in dire straits as anchorage by any means mm-hmm. but their power play is looking really good yeah and that's that was a surprise um you know that special teams have been their strength. You you think with a team that's rebuilding, that you know special teams might be their most glaring weakness because <laughs> they're trying to fill a flow with each other, and it's kind of a patchwork team. But they're they're doing well, and that's that's nice to see. Uh, not <laughs> like you said, not in dire straits like Anchorage is, and which by the way, that's. If you're ready to watch a horrendous power play, <laughs> be prepared for tonight. But uh, I, you know, I I like what I'm seeing from the wings. Just it's it's gonna be these glimmers of hope, these you know these moments of brilliance, and you can think, you know, it, it'd be way, making a worth a trip down to Detroit to watch a game at Little Caesars. I mean, I heard it's a nice arena. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody says. Just nobody's going to the games. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I want to talk about the Packers, but last point on the NHL I want to ask you about. Which of these teams should be more worried where they are right now? The Blues, the Capitals, or the Penguins? Who should be the most worried of that group? I I think the Capitals and the Penguins are too good mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to worry about too much. Mm-hmm. Caps just won the Cup. they got a little guys coming back. The Penguins have you know a good roster. The bouquet. I think it's more so the Blues because they're mm-hmm. just... <laughs> they're they're an also round group. They they should make the in the playoffs. They should have biologic made it further in the playoffs than mm-hmm. they have these last few years. And it's just, but as someone who lived around the St. Louis area, this is just the Blues being the Blues. They don't they look good at times, but when it gets down to it, St. Louis is the team that doesn't show up when it has to. And uh, I'd say they're the more they're the more team that needs to be wearing. Well, and they, they built this offseason that they were supposed to be good this year, and they're just not living up to those expectations. Capitals may be with a little bit of a cup hangover, but yeah. they'll make the playoffs, and they always seem to. Pittsburgh is a fan, I'm worried. Yeah. I I don't know yet about the trade. Uh, one for one, Tanner Pearson comes over for Carl Haglin. I like Pearson, but I like mm. Haglin too. Yeah. I don't know that. I, it seems to me to be a pretty fair trade. Yeah. But nonetheless, Pittsburgh's still not winning. They lose again last night. They allow a hat trick in 91 seconds to Braden Point. Yeah, of all people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I think they're just too good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're going to make it in. They have such a deep roster. You know, they're, you wonder how much longer they have mm-hmm. because the, the roster is starting to age a little more. But I think they're going to be fine, just like I think the Caps are going to be fine. It's just the Blues, I think, are in rougher shape because – they're, the expectations are rising each year. You, you know, you should have made the Cup Finals by now. You should have won a Stanley Cup by now, and you're not coming close. The closest they've come was when the Sharks made the Stanley Cup Finals, and I actually had people who don't like hockey in the St. Louis area who were getting excited. Mm-hmm. They thought that was going to be their year, and they didn't do it, and that's what the Blues do every year. What if this happens? I don't think it will because Mike Yo just got there, but he gets fired 
Joe Quenville takes over the Blues next season. Well, that'd be interesting. It would be interesting. Stay in the division. Yeah, considering that, you know, Blues fans hated the Blackhawks. (laughs) That'd be be an interesting scenario to have the the Blackhawks coach who gave them three Stanley Cups to come over. I mean, it would be uncomfortable probably at Mm -hmm. first, but... He, he he guy wins so and Mike Yo is despised in Minnesota <laughs> by Wild fans, including myself, because he took a team that should have, you know, gone further in the playoffs. They never achieved what mm-hmm. they should have done. So, well, let's switch and go to football. Packers with a real chance here down the stretch. At least they had one. I don't know if they still do to make something happen. Make one of those magical late season runs. Aaron Rodgers seems to be famous for. And last night they go to Seattle, lay an egg. They start 0-5 on the road for the first time since 79. Memories, huh? Yeah. For old pa- for our uh, old Packer listeners mm-hmm. who are just remembering, hey, remember how bad we used to be? <laughs> Jimmy Carter era. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like taking you way back, back in the days where, you know, was that before? I wonder if that was before Lynn Dickey got there. but Could have been. Could have been. But nevertheless, bad time to be a Packer fan. And it's not a bad time right now, but you wonder how much longer this good era, you know, with the Rodgers, with the success, these playoff bursts, you know, the Super Bowl that happened, what seems like a long time ago at this point. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how much longer they have together and... It was so bad last night. I mean, they looked good at times. They did? Rodgers had, you know, he made that great heave to Adams. You know, they looked like they were good at times. And then the Packers' inability to manage the clock effectively and making some questionable calls, it just – and now I'm writing a column about this, plug for (laughs) Sunday, about, you know, Mike McCarthy and his inability to do, you know, logical things. Um, I – it's just, it's weird because mm-hmm. that was a game they should have won. And they led fourteen to three. Yeah, they should have held on and won that. I blame the defense also for a good chunk of that because Seattle ran wild on them. Yes, they did. <laughs> they, you know, it's, you know, the Packers D was a concern, and some people are thinking, oh, maybe, maybe they're starting to get together. They looked bad last night, especially against the run, and. You know, there's still hope. I think, you know, just because of Rodgers' ability, they're still on the wild card hunt. Strangely, the Bears are <laughs> emerging from the pack <laughs> as the North leader. I think they're going to have a tough time with Minnesota. I think mm-hmm. Minnesota's starting to figure it out, and uh, it'll come down to them. But they have a good chance of getting the wild card still. Detroit has an outside chance of getting the wild card, but... That's, I'm blaming my Patricia more, <laughs> more well, for their issues. Let, let, let's break down the NFC North okay, here a little yeah. bit. We've had uh, the Packers. I'll ask you maybe a two- or three-part question. Do the Packers need to run the table the rest of the way in order to get into the postseason? Because at best they can finish with nine wins, whether that's somehow enough to win the division by a lot of help and a miracle, uh, maybe. Wild card is more likely. And is Sunday night's game between the Bears and the Vikings the NFC North Championship? I feel like it is. Um, the, uh, to get to the Bears-Vikings thing, I think it is, because whoever wins that game is going to be in the driver's seat. Um, you know, I think whoever wins that game will most likely win the division, and it just it's a great showdown. I'm, I'm looking forward to that game, not only because I'm a Vikings fan, but just it's two good teams. One's 
better than I thought they'd be and one that should be in the playoffs regardless. So I think that's going to be a big showdown. I don't think the Packers have to win out, but they can afford maybe one more stumble. Mm-hmm. And then then your eight wins, and then you're hoping <laughs> that that's enough. I mean, nine should be enough it to should. get a win. But when you're, on eight, when you're eight and eight, you're like, you know, there's going to be other teams that are eight and eight. Then mm-hmm. you got to play the whole, okay, we need this well, they'll team. be eight and seven. Oh, well, yeah, eight yeah. and seven. I keep forgetting about the tie. But the ties... Some people hate ties mm-hmm. in general, so I think it's just uh, I don't. They maybe only can afford one more stumble because then you're gonna play the who we need this team to win, we need this team to lose, we need, this team can either tie mm-hmm. or win, and they need to lose by so many points, or you know you're getting into all these wacky things. You don't want to be in that situation. I think. Nine will get them in. Eight, they're going to be on the bubble, and two stumbles, they're going to be on the outside. They're, uh, I think this next stretch will determine their year. You know, they should make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but after what they did against Seattle, I think it's more of a question mark at this point. Well, Seattle was pretty much a must-win if they wanted to have any wiggle room. You got to take care of business on the road first of all, and they haven't done that yet this year. They've got to pick up wins where they can because they've still got to play Minnesota again. They've still got to play Chicago again. Uh, they have Atlanta coming up in the schedule. Won't be a gimme by any means. So everything is going to be a battle, even games like Arizona and Detroit and the New York Jets. All those games, nothing's going to come easy here down the stretch. Yeah, and the Lions get up for the Packers games all the time, and Arizona's trying to salvage their season. And, you know, the Vikings – feel like that was a game they should have won and they're going to want to get up for that one so it's going to be very very tough this was a game that they should have won and they didn't and just it it confuses me because it just i, I seattle is also a team that's trying to figure themselves mm-hmm. out and is trying to do enough to get a wild card spot but there were times where green bay was just all playing seattle and they handed it to them in the second half with bad clock management, timeout choices. You know, Rodgers, for as good as he was, made some questionable decisions at mm-hmm. times. The def- run defense didn't show up at all. And the secondary, that winning touchdown, I mean, he was open, like mm-hmm. wide open. Like he cut on a slant, and, you know, the closest guy to him was at the goal line. So it was just. It's not a great performance, and I watched that in the airport Thursday night, (laughs) you know, surrounded by Packers fans. There were a lot of Packers fans in the airport who were glued to that TV, and as a Vikings fan, as I put in the column, I'm chuckling to myself because I'm watching the Packers completely fall apart. But, you know, I can understand their frustrations because they should be playing better than they are. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about this before we have to go to break. The Lions, you talked about them briefly. They have, you know, certainly the season hasn't gone the way they were probably expecting it to. They bring in a new coach from a winning culture. They expect maybe to be a wild card team in a tough division. And ultimately, they're falling apart. They've even upgraded on defense. And last week, their defense just looked like they weren't even there. Not that they didn't want to be there. They looked like they they weren't weren't there against Mitch Trubisky. So Matt Patricia yesterday hosts an outdoor practice in the snow even though their next four games are all going to be indoors. They aren't going to play an outdoor game until, what, 
after Christmas, and their coach has him outside practicing in the snow yesterday. He's out there wearing shorts, and the team is didn't take kindly to it. No, I, I don't understand that, Patricia. I tried to for a while, and I I want to believe that he can do stuff. And, you know, I, I my column last week was the tale of the mats and the hats, and I hope people found that clever. <laughs> but it just... I want to think that he knows what he's doing, but I feel like he's already lost the team, and they're halfway through the year. And I've never seen a, guy, a coach have his players completely lose faith in him, and you're not you're halfway through your first season. The only time I can think that happened, and my dad can reference this, was when the Vikings had Les Steckel as their head coach in the <laughs> mid-'80s, who only lasted one year but was so despised by the team they had to let him go. So I don't think Matt Patricia is in that situation, but you can tell that the players are frustrated. Darius Slay clearly did not like playing in the cold, and I just I don't understand the logic there. I mean, I if you're going to play a cold-weather game, okay, that makes sense, but... You're indoors. You're going to be playing in domes. Why are you throwing your team out in the elements? Mm-hmm. Just because you're mad at them? Just because you're mad? I'm, I'm upset the way they're playing, so go play in the cold, mm-hmm. even though this is in no way going to benefit us. It, just, it seems bizarre, and it sounds like something Belichick would do. Exactly. But, yeah. again, Belichick can do that because he's a winning coach. <laughs> it's like if you want to copy you know, a legend – do it after you've achieved something. I mean, it's like trying to copy something a guy does who's already accomplished a significant amount. I mean, it just it comes off weird. It shows that you're dependent on a mentor rather than coming up with your own strategies. Mm-hmm. It just It's a bad image. He's coming off bad to his team. Now, I'm not going to go all Carlos from Detroit Free Press, but it just... It just I'm confused on what Patricia's thinking right now, and... I don't know. I last I thought maybe there's still an outside chance to get into the playoffs, but they even more so in Green Bay can't afford to stumble. And I would say the the Lions have to win out. I would say at this point if they want to make it in. And the way Matt Patricia's going as a coach, I don't think that's going to happen. At least not this year. Well, think about everyone's ripping on him right now, and just watch they'll run the table after yeah, this yeah, little yeah, stunt, yeah. and uh, we'll shoot. No, but uh, the Lions have. Certainly a lot to figure out. I just want to play devil's advocate before we sign off, uh, at least go to break, I should say. Um, Isn't this what the Lions wanted? Is they wanted the Patriot culture to come over here, and then Matt Patricia does it, and then he gets criticized. Again, I don't know that I necessarily believe that, but that's got to be in the back of somebody's mind. I think think the idea of hiring Matt Patricia was like, He's with Belichick. He's going to bring over that idea that that was winning ways. But I, I, I think it's just a little – I mean, he made his players run a lot in training camp, which is a little weird, but I thought it was overblown. And then he's, you know, making them play in the snow. He's questioning reporters' posture <laughs> in a press conference, which, by the way, great burn by the Detroit News with that headline. That was so perfect. <laughs> but um, it's it's odd. I I, I want to believe that this is going to start moving in the right direction, but in his first year, he's making some odd choices, and I I think he was the right hire for the mm-hmm. Lions, but it's 
it's kind of confusing what he's trying to do right now. And uh, I would be more focused on, instead of trying to establish a culture right now, more getting on the winning side <laughs> and trying to figure things out than trying to establish your abilities as a coach. That's just me. Ryan Steger, the Mining Journal, with us. We'll take another time out halfway home on this episode of the Sports Pen. Coming up, Christian Yelich is the MLB NL MVP. All that and more coming up next on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only to Jibway Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal, our guest today. I'm Tanner Hoops. As we get into the back half of today's Sports Pen, Northern Michigan uh, getting a little love to their women's basketball team. They had a 1 o'clock game today. Yeah. They win. Yeah. They win wire to, <laughs> not, not they a, wire to wire. Not an ideal start time. For, no. For, but, you know, you got to fix flip the rank over. So, but. Yeah, and give a ton of credit to them. That's going to be ready for hockey here after finishing up just a little before 3 with college basketball. Yeah, it's uh, but I was happy. You know, I was impressed with how they played. Mm. You know, wire to wire, 20-point win. A lot of, you know, players contributed. Uh, Jessica Schultz had a decent game. Lexi Smith had a good game. I, you know, Aaron Honkala was doing good on the boards. Yeah, 10 rebounds led the team. Yeah. Um, I, You know, it was just an all-around good performance, and that's what they need. I, you know, Northern is supposed to have a good year this year. A um, lot of hype. I, I'm... I'm intrigued to see how much that is lives up to the hype because I knew they had a lot of injuries last year and they kind of stumbled around. And I thought first place was maybe a bit of a jump <laughs> in some, you know, and maybe some people's minds, the voters. But I think there's the potential to have a good year, and they've shown it so far. I mean, they've had one loss. That was the Minnesota Duluth game, but they didn't necessarily play bad. Um, it's... It's going to be good. I think uh, it's going to be a solid year. 71-51 win this afternoon over Minnesota State. They never trail in the game, and they beat the Mavericks on the glass as well, 42-24. The final total in the rebounding category as uh, the Wildcats are 3-1. and one. Lexi Smith had 24 points. He did it on 8 of 9 shooting, 3 of 3 from 3. Almost looked like Isaiah Johnson on Sunday. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, following the... Uh performance of isaiah johnson who's also off to a great start mm-hmm. this year it's i think she's going to be a player uh trey matson's been really high on her ever since she came to the team and uh with darby youngstrom this is going to be her last year i think she's going to take over and be kind of the leader once uh youngstrom moves on and graduates after the season well let's talk a little bit of baseball christian yelich was crowned the nl mvp last night mookie betts did it on the american league I'm not surprised by either of them, are you? No. I mean, they're both well-deserving. I think going into the last month, you could throw it as a toss-up between Yelich and um, and Baez. But, you know, Yelich, you know, really emerged. I think Milwaukee having a better postseason performance than the Cubs did, did played a little role in it and uh, kind of came out nowhere with mm-hmm. him. I, You know, I knew he was a you know, good ball player, but an MVP-like season, I don't think anybody was expecting that. Uh, just the fact that Derek Jeter dealt <laughs> the MVP award winner. Didn't he deal like the last MVP award winner yep. too? So I don't know what, what he's thinking as an owner, but uh, 
great uh, great thing for Yelich. I'm, uh, you know, he was fun to watch. And then, of course, Betts won it for the Red Sox and is a champion now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Both those guys were deserved. They Very were clearly so. the best players in each league this year. I think MLB got it right. Yelich uh, finally gets the MVP award that he's probably been capable of. He's just been stuck in Miami. Yeah. And then he gets to a place that, you know, he can win. Yeah. And he turned it on in well, October, and that's, that's what got it. Can rely on his talents, understands what he can do. Miami is... Is, it's a place that doesn't understand what it has in front of it. No. Like, it's, it's so horribly mismanaged. They have a good roster, good prospects, and they deal them all away, and then they get a bunch of guys who end their career, and appropriately, like people go to retire in Florida and their careers in Florida. Like Wade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like he'll be doing here. Pretty much. I. And that's what they do, and the Marlins are just – they're a mess. On the plus side, they have a new logo. They have a new logo, a new uniform, new color scheme. Derek Jeter is trying to distance himself from the Marlins' past as much as possible. To be honest with you, I like their old 1990s logo and their look when they were the Florida Marlins. I was, you know, the new ones were okay. And I don't know, the new, new ones, I don't know yet. Jury's still out on it. Okay. I like... I love their old logo back in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, the F and the fish. That mm-hmm. was nice. Moving to the Miami Marlins, I understand, you know, okay, you know, get rid of the Florida, focusing on Miami. But, you know, this was a bit of a reach for me with the logo and mm-hmm. then their little <laughs> sculpture out in the outfield. And, I don't know, it just seemed a little odd. But now I really like their logo. I'm not a fan of their uniforms, mm-hmm. but I like their logo. It's almost like it's kind of eye-catching, very, like, Miami Mm -hmm. Vice-esque for older listeners who understand what I'm talking about, 80s TV show. Um, But just it's kind of fluorescent lighting, you know, the teal, the, you know, like the color is called Chipotle Red or Mm. something like that. So it's kind of like if you're going to a club and, like, that's the lights that catch your eye. That's kind of what they're going for. I like the shadow to it. Um, I just, the uniforms are just kind of blah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's like, why would you come up with a really cool logo and then come up with really boring the, uniforms? The scripts especially is yeah. what kills it. Yeah, it just, I mean, the color scheme I like, but it's mm-hmm. just like, it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. You know, and uh, I am not a fashion expert by any means, but I just thought, if you're going to go there mm-hmm. with that kind of a eye-catching logo, you got to add a little something to it and just seemed kind of lacking. But Well, Derek Jeter's done a lot of questions. Is it things, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Oh, but the thing is, how bad is the sports scene in Miami right now? You, the Heat are bad. The Panthers are bad. The Dolphins are they think they're good, but they're I don't there. buy it. And yeah, they might be the best Miami yeah, team the, right now. Yeah, and, and the U of Miami, they're and bad. And the U of Miami, they're bad too. And they were supposed to be good this uh-huh. year. So it's, you know, thing wondering about Miami is anybody care? Because mm-hmm. people have said for years that Miami and Atlanta are terrible sports towns. Mm-hmm. That they don't aren't aware that their team exists. And, and you can make the case with Miami, you're by the beach, you're by the ocean, you're thinking of... You know, going to have fun. You're not really thinking of pro sports arenas and going to spend a lot of money when you can be doing it and surfing and having fun outside. Uh, But, yeah, unless Miami has a winner, they don't care, and it's 
Miami does not have a lot of winners right now. I mean, the Dolphins have shown glimmers. Mm-hmm. You know, they look good. They look good against the Bears. They've, you know, they're, they've shown that there's some talent there, but they're still a step behind. The Patriots are still the kings of the division, and they're going to be the Bills took a gigantic step backwards <laughs> from a playoff team to arguably the worst team in the NFL. To starting Nathan Peterman week one following a playoff run. Who is now out. Now out of a job. Out completely. And, uh, but it's a memorable run for him. Oh, if, as, if, 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 if you were a professional athlete, you want to have a memorable career, mm. and he will have a memorable career. Maybe not, not for the in, right not reasons. Not the right reasons, but he will be remembered and for having one of the worst passing ratings ever and just some really terrible performances. So, mm. But at least he'll be remembered. Enjoy you know? your arena football yeah, career. Yeah, exactly, uh-huh. arena football career. But getting back, um, in Miami's just ugh, not, not a good time for them. Atlanta... You know, I have uh, two friends of mine who grew up in Atlanta, and they said all Atlantans care about is University of Georgia football. They don't pay attention to the Braves. They don't pay attention to the Falcons. They did, you know, because they made the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so then they started paying and attention. And then blew it. And then blew it. But, you know, they don't pay attention to the Hawks. They lost an NHL franchise. Yes, they, they did. They lost two NHL franchises. First one was Flames. the Flames, who's out in Calgary, and then the Thrashers, who are now in Winnipeg. They lost both their teams to Canada. Um, which shows that, you know, hockey doesn't belong in Georgia. It belongs mm-hmm. in Canada. But, I, yeah, it's rough times in Miami, and the Marlins are going to be bad for a while. If, if Jeter's going to bring them out of it, he's gonna, he has a lot of work ahead of him. Well, let's, uh, let's go a little bit deeper with that. Is what Derek Jeter doing all that different than what John Gruden is doing with the Raiders? I don't know. Because it's, I, I think Gruden wants a complete overhaul, and he's trying to do... But I don't know what Jeter's thinking is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, the Raiders were starting new with John Gruden. We signed him to a massive long-term deal. He's trying to change everything. He had a decent core and is throwing it completely out the window. Um, but Jeter, it's like, are you going to spend a lot of money? Mm-hmm. Are you going to focus entirely on prospects? But if you're going to do that route, you got to make a decision because it's like he doesn't know what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And for a guy who's so famous for always being in the right mindset, he seems to be trouble making a decision on how to run a franchise. So I'll tell you this. I'll give you my take and mm-hmm. kind of answer my own question. <laughs> I don't think that there's necessarily – there's some similarities there, but not as much as there yeah. probably should be. With John Gruden, he's got such a good football mind. He's done it as a coach. He does it as an analyst, an executive, what have you. I trust him to run a franchise. I don't trust Derek Jeter as an executive. (laughs) I mean, I'd let him play on my team at his age right now. I'd I'd let him come on, and uh, you know, I bet he could still hit with the best of them. But as an executive... What has he done to give people confidence? I mean, I I don't know. All his best players are gone. Yes, because of him. <laughs> yeah. And because he shipped them out. And with, I could see Derek Jeter as more of a manager, mm-hmm. more like a, you know, like a coach necessarily than an executive right away mm-hmm. because you really need to know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, you have to, I mean, being a GM or being an owner is especially if you're a hands-on owner uh-huh. and not a guy who, you know, shows up to games and completely checks out. You have to really be invested in the team, and you wonder how much invested, you know, Jeter is. And I, 
I want to completely lose faith in the guy and see he simply can't do it, mm-hmm. but he's got to figure something out, you know, <laughs> you know, or you either part with a lot of money and try to win right away, or you really put a lot of effort into rebuilding and to try to establish yourself and focus entirely on that. There's really only two methods to go with, and he's got to figure out which one he's going to do. Well, really, if there's a time that the NL East could be open for grabs, oh yeah, I mean, this would be it, especially if Bryce Harper takes off. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows where he's going to go. Some people are thinking the Cubs, mm-hmm. which would be great for me because being a Cubs fan. But I also don't see him going there because he's going to be behind a lot of players who are – almost as famous as he is Mm -hmm. so you do want to take it somewhat of a back seat if you start into a slump you're going to be up there with chris bryant who is very well beloved in chicago Mm -hmm. so i i don't know i i think this is a good time for all the teams in the east the braves are better but i don't really believe this up yeah. yeah you wonder about them you got the nationals who by all logic should have you know done better in the playoffs mm-hmm. than they have you wonder if they're going to start to go away now the phillies are eh, they're there yeah you know, the and mets they are, get bryce harper they get bryce harper they're going to look really good they look like they could be a team on the rise the mets exist <laughs> <laughs> they have the cy young winner and they yeah. can still finish one yeah at 500. yeah they're they're i mean they're they're physically present in the division and have a great starting pitcher but that's about it so the, if the marlins are going to do anything this seems like the opportunity to do so but they got to figure it out. They only have, well, they got the winter. Def- I mean, spring trains in March, but you would think during that time they could come up with a plan for the future. 99 days till opening day. Yeah. There's a, with the snow on the ground, you're kind of thinking well, baseball, down. but, you know, I was just in Florida, so I, I can understand that mindset. Ryan Steig of the Mining Journal with us. We'll take a time out. We'll finish this thing off with college football when we come back on ESPN-UP and ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Jibboy Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. College football's heating up about this time of the year. You've got Michigan getting Indiana this weekend, which... They should win, but when you should do something, you don't know. Trap always. game? Trap game. It could be before the big one. Yeah. And, uh, then, and then State Nebraska. Uh, yeah, and fans shouldn't be looking ahead. I know Michigan-Ohio State's next weekend. Everybody's really amped for it. But you you got a 5-5 five and five Indiana team who is trying to make a bowl berth. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're going to be amped to try to get that sixth win you know, to get in and – they're a thorn in Michigan's side, like all the time. You know, I you know I lived in Indiana for two years, and Indiana would lose to Michigan, but they'd make it like agonizingly close from <laughs> for Wolverines fans, where you're just like, what is going on? We should be pounding this team, and I think for the first half, Indiana's going to be in there with them. They're going to you know play a little mind game thing. You know, you wonder if. Michigan's going to fall apart, but I think they're going to emerge victorious. They're, Michigan's just really clicking. I mean, at 9-1, and one, this, is their, this is their time, mm-hmm. especially with Ohio State not knowing what it's doing right now. Uh, <laughs> it's, they're, they're so tarnished by scandals right now mm-hmm. and so many outside distractions. And I just come back to that loss to Purdue. 
where they look so horrendous and they should have lost to Nebraska and shouldn't even be in the equation for a Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're still lingering on. A win against Michigan would put them most likely, I would think, in the Big Ten title spot. So it's uh, – I mean, as long as Michigan doesn't screw up, you know, this week, mm-hmm. I think they make the playoff. I think, I, you know, I think this week will doom whatever hopes they have, but – I think they get in. Even if Michigan takes care of business and wins out, I still don't think they control their own destiny. Really? I, I still think that if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship, Michigan will be the odd man out. And then you're really going to get the conversation going about expanding the current playoff format. I mean, the 14 playoff is better than the BCS. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. definitely better, but it needs to be improved. Because if that scenario happens, let's say everybody wins out like they're supposed to, except Georgia beats Bama, mm-hmm. then you're going to watch the champion of maybe the weakest Power Five conference in Clemson, an independent Notre Dame, and two SEC teams play for the national championship. Meanwhile, the Big Ten champion in Michigan, the Big 12 champion in Oklahoma, and the Pac-12 champion in Washington State, who people aren't even sniffing yeah. for the conversation are all going to be watching at home and then you get the argument that you're leaving three power five conference champions out in favor of two teams on the same conference. exactly and i don't think the committee will ever change it unless alabama is threatened with not making it yeah and it's just and, and i hate that so much because it creates and everybody has in their mind that the whole college football rule world is biased towards the SEC and having two SEC teams when there's three other teams that could make it in, it just creates that more and more. And it's, I get up for the college football playoff every year, but if I know it's going to be two SEC teams in it every year, just because Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the way they want it to be, it's, it loses its luster. And, uh, I, in, in many ways, should people be rooting for Alabama to win the SEC championship game? If you're a Michigan fan, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Unless you can get some help and Clemson and Notre Dame lose along the line, yeah. but they're not going to get in over either of those two. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, all the problems with it right now, the current format, the 14 playoff, or basically it doesn't matter if you won your conference or anything, doesn't it make conference championship games yeah. obsolete? I mean, it's basically an extra chance for you to lose. You're not playing for anything except, you know, basically the title. It's just basically a glorified sideshow attraction. It is. You're, you're like, hey, I'm the Big Ten champion, but I don't get to be in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I get to be in the Rose Bowl, which, you know, cool, but, you know, it, it, the Rose Bowl isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And all these other big bowl games are me because it's overshadowed by the playoff. And it just they it's almost like they don't matter. I mean they're they're in theory they do, but on a national stage and the minds of everybody else, you're they're, you're gonna remember your team for making the college football playoff, not for winning your conference championship mm-hmm. game. Well, uh, what about UCF? They think so badly that they should be in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. They are the four undefeated teams. And they're ranked, what are they, 11th right now? And that's as high as a group of five team has ever been in the college football playoff. Now, driving into work this morning, I was listening to Golick and Wingo. They're talking about the situation where UCF just doesn't get love because they, you know, they eat cupcakes all the time. They went undefeated last year. 
they didn't seem to believe in themselves until they beat Auburn in the bowl game. And that's where this whole frenzy came on that they just aren't getting off this pedestal now. And it just made me kind of hope Cincinnati comes along and beats them this weekend, Mm -hmm. which could happen. It's their (laughs) toughest game left until the bowl game. And then their quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, comes out and says today that there's no way you can tell me that Notre Dame is better than UCF. And putting our personal biases aside, mm. now I want UCF to lose even more. Oh, I understand that, but I I love it when like smaller conferences sneak up and annoy the bigger conferences. Mm-hmm. Like It just irks Bama fans so much that UCF can legitimately claim a national championship now because they actually won a poll. <laughs> so as soon as you win a poll, you can claim it. And... It's uh, I I'm ex- I lo- I want them to win just because I love chaos. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. But now you're trashing Notre Dame, who's a significantly better team than you are. Mm-hmm. So now you're trying to trash talk your way to get into the playoff instead of just being like, "Hey, we're undefeated." I think if you're undefeated, you should at least get a legit conversation to mm-hmm. being in it. Not you know. I mean, you're going to have a tough time making your case against, you know, some Power 5 teams that maybe have one loss. But you should at least be considered. Mm-hmm. Even if your schedule isn't deemed really tough, you still finished undefeated. You yep. should at least be looked at, not just completely thrown out of the equation. And I think if they went out, they might get some looks. I don't think they're probably going to get in. Mm-hmm. But I think them doing well and almost making it in twice – will help create the argument that you need to expand the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, because not only does you know you can make the argument that you got three teams that could be on the outside looking in this year in the Power Five conferences, you have a team in a smaller conference that has two, a lot of success the last couple of years, have finished undefeated. Why aren't we getting any love too? And I feel like it should it should be eight teams because you got your four main teams, you have some at-large bids. You can throw in a smaller conference team that's undefeated to see mm-hmm. if they can keep up. And who knows, they might actually pull an upset. In the first mm-hmm. they're, they've shown that they're capable of doing that. I mean, Boise State and TCU have done that before. It, it, it's just better. It's more equal. And in my opinion, you need a dump. If you're going to go to eight games, you need to dump the conference championship games because mm-hmm. then they're completely meaningless. Yeah. You, you look at a team like UCF and regardless of whether they're legit or not, we're never going to know how good they could have been or competed for a championship as long as we have a four-team playoff. But in the given format, I don't think they're one of the best four teams in the country. That's why I think that the committee would do the right thing by leaving them out of the playoff because that's their goal is to get the best four teams playing in the semis at the end of the year. They're going to do the right thing, and they're going to be on the outside looking in, and that's going to annoy them. But who knows? They'll win a poll, and they can put another national championship sign up. But... It needs to be eight, and I think, you know, having a team like Michigan on the outside and having, you know, to quote, snubbed a team mm-hmm. like UCF, it might get moved towards an eight-team playoff faster than it currently is. It just people like that kind of fun. They people like not knowing who's going to be in the championship because two years ago you knew it was going to be an Alabama Clemson rematch, you know? It's you know, you had a feeling it was going to be Alabama Georgia last year. You you know, it's when you know what's going to happen, you're kind of like, okay, you know, I'm excited, but it takes a little luster. If you have chaos going in, it makes it more fun. 
Well, we've got uh, plenty of that coming yes, up. Very We're much excited so. for it and for what we have this time of the year. Uh, we're out of time. Ryan, as always, thanks again for stopping in. Mm-hmm. Wishing you all the best over there at the Journal. I know you've got a, <laughs> a lot, lot on your plate, plate right but now. you're balancing it like a I'm champ. Doing so. I can, yeah. That's Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for tuning in to us each and every day, 4 o'clock, 3 central, right here on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Will Kane is coming on after us. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.